1: Johnny English is daring. Johnny English is dashing. Agent One, you overestimate your power over women. I'd say that would be virtually impossible. Johnny English is dreaming. English! Gentlemen. Agent One.
0: Hello?
2: This is Intelligence Headquarters. Remember when I told you the only way you'd become an agent was if all the other agents were dead? Well, put some bloody clothes on and get over here right
0: away. Thank you, sir. You're unbelievable. Johnny English. A good agent doesn't need gadgets. Ah! Ah! The only gadgets I've ever needed are a sharp eye, ah! and a finely tuned ear, and a slightly
1: bigger brain than is strictly necessary.
0: Ugh. Oh well, none of us is perfect.
1: When the future of England is threatened.
0: Get out there and save your country.
1: British intelligence is coming. I had his flat bugged. <laughs> Eventually. Look! <laughs> <laughs> From the producers of Bean. You're so
2: hot.
1: Rowan Atkinson, he might
0: be a fool,
2: <laughs>
0: but he's a fool who keeps showing up. Johnny, be careful. I'm always careful. Oh, Johnny English. They say that sea urchins the ultimate acquired taste.
1: It's a personal favorite
0: of mine. Excuse me. Yes, I am sorry, sorry. John English, I'm in secret agent. Sorry, I am sorry, sorry. Excuse me, excuse me, sorry.
3: Welcome to They Called Us A Movie, testing the strength of friendships, one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Called Us A Movie. We are part of the Main Dami Network. To find more from us, check out the website at themainnamey.com or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at themaindami. We are also now a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find them at gvnation.com. Welcome back to They Called Us A Movie. This is Anthony Delvecchio. With me, as always, is Dan Aquino and Mark Myers. Say hello, gentlemen. How's it going, everyone?
4: Good. I thought it was crazy at first, guys, but... I think it was a good idea doing back-to-back Eric Roberts movies, but I just... <laughs> oh no,
3: what'd you watch? <laughs> um,
4: wait, we weren't watching all the Stalked by My Doctors in a row? Oh, no, Mark. Uh, we'll have the pause this recording. I'll be back in two hours.
3: I mean, <laughs> we will hold down the fort until you get back.
4: <laughs> Although I can't say I'm not jealous. That is pretty awesome. <laughs> Tell us about
3: the sex not the, the Sexomnia episode, oh, episode four.
4: So you see when... no. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Welcome back to The cold Movie, and we're going to skip what we usually do uh, during this quarantine and when we we'll talk about what we've watched because we basically didn't watch much. And it's pretty much easier to just go right into the movie we did watch. So this week, this was a a listener choice. So Dan, do you want to kind of give us a little bit of a introduction to what movie we picked?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like Anthony said, this was a listener pick. So a uh, quick shout out to listener Jake. Thank you for the for the recommendation and our good friend of the podcast jake chose johnny english why he chose johnny english not a clue maybe he was watching it and he was like, yeah this would be a good episode uh either way thank you for the recommendation so this week's episode is the rowan atkinson vehicle johnny english not to be confused with johnny english reborn because i started to watch that and i was like wait a minute this doesn't sound right <laughs> So they're both on Netflix and I'm glad I didn't get further than 10 minutes into uh, reborn because I would have hated myself even more having, knowing that I would have to watch the first Johnny English.
4: That, yeah, that yeah. would have been you, my personal. Yeah, because you would have already been spoiled. Right. Oh yeah. Cause he lives. <laughs>
3: <laughs> would you be surprised to know that there was a third Johnny English movie that came out in
2: 2018? 2018. Yeah. Unbelievable. I want to start. This episode with a hot take and all of our fans across the pond might get angry and boycott us. I don't know what you guys see in Rowan Atkinson. Like that, is that just like a strictly English thing? Like that's their humor? Like, oh, that old British humor. Because he's awful. <laughs> I don't get <laughs> wow. it. I thought he was like like King of the Pratfall and everything, you know, slapstick. I don't see it, man. I, not a, Not at least in this movie. Maybe in Reborn, but
4: not here.
3: Maybe he figures it out in the sequel.
4: Maybe, yeah. Yeah, maybe <laughs> it's a stride. <laughs> yeah, his his only real pratfall physical comedy is is you know when he gets the muscle relaxer. But that, that's really the only time.
2: I know his whole claim to fame was Mr. Bean, and I'm sure it's great if you like poop jokes and fart jokes because that I mean this this movie is pretty rife with that. God, I I expected better. So I you thought- have never. Have you ever seen Mr. Bean? I saw some of the the old sketches from when I was a kid, and it didn't right. make me laugh then. And, and I'm not going to say I'm an auteur of of comedy here. Like, I'm not the I'm not the end all be all of comedy, but awesome. and it doesn't take a lot to make me laugh. You guys know this. Yeah. I laugh at the stupidest stuff ever, and I can say in all honesty, not a single laugh was had at this movie. That might.
4: So the Mr. Bean isn't your Umbrella Academy to me. No, no, I, okay. I've actually watched Mr. Bean. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry,
3: Mark. Uh, yeah, Ron so, Atkinson, where are you coming from?
4: So um, he's part of the the actors that I put in the pantheon, which you know ad nauseum that I've said to you, and is that you can all a great comedic actor can always be really good in dramatic straight roles. And it's very hard to do the vice versa. And whenever he gets to play a character where he's not doing the slapstick and he's not doing, you know, the gags and all and just playing something like with a little bit of a wink and a nod sort of thing. Like I always bring up Love Actually, those little bits that he's in there. He still has a little bit of comic to him, but he's not making it as like, ha you're supposed to laugh at this. It's just just very well done. Um, I've seen the Bean movies again. For some reason, my mother made us watch them because she loved them. So I was like, you got to watch this. But I don't ha- remember having any affinity for wanting to go back to them. But, I, you know, I do kind of get that, what he's famous for. Watching this movie, because I've heard of it, haven't actually been able to see it. But my hot take is that this might have been, for the time, the best Bond movie to come out in 10 years at that, this point, when this was released in 2003. This movie gets all of the right trappings with what made good Bond movies but tries to put, like, a bumbling idiot being in those situations. But all the, you know, sneaking in through the windows on the side of a building, jumping out of a plane, or secret henchmen doing doing identity swaps with people, secret DVDs where the plan are is revealed by the villain, you know, all that stuff. But then just instead of James Bond or Sean Connery or something, you drop Johnny English into it. And it's supposed to be hilarious in I
2: don't know how you both could sit here with a straight face and tell me this movie is better than anything.
4: <laughs> have, have you watched Die Another Day?
2: I've <laughs> seen almost every Bond movie. And I could say that this this movie can't hold a candle to a single James Bond movie. You have not watched Quantum of Solace. I think that's one of the only ones I have not watched. I probably missed three that I can think of.
3: This movie is not even the worst James Bond movie that these writers have written.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's literally this setup is Johnny English goes somewhere. He goes to the wrong place. His sidekick goes to the right place and has to remind him that he's in the wrong place. That's this movie. Look.
3: I am not gonna say that I wasn't bored out of my mind. Yeah. It took me all afternoon to watch
2: this a second time. I <laughs> it took started me two it at three. As well.
3: It started at three.
2: I didn't finish it until eight thirty <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's I'm telling you man I'm not a, to me again, this was also this came out in two thousand and three, a different time, obviously, but even in two thousand and three, I couldn't imagine a single joke landing.
3: I laughed once. And we'll get into the spot where I la- where I laughed at, and it's completely a stupid joke that is not really dwelled on, but it made me like chuckle a little bit. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm not a big band- Bond fan. I'll say that right right out of the gate. I think there are more there are more bad Bond movies than there are good mo- Bond movies. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm. I, I uh, agree with that as a Bond
3: fan. <laughs> I I liked Mr. Bean as a kid. I haven't revisited in my adulthood. I'm assuming I'm just I would not. He's kind of like he's kind of like Weird Al for me. Great for kids, and there's still people as adults that like appreciate him and love him. I don't get it. Like yeah, I don't get like I don't get Weird Al. Like I don't get adults loving Weird Al. I adult I I get kids loving Weird Al. I don't get it adults loving Weird Al. And the same thing was Mr. Bean. I totally understand why kids would love Mr. Bean. Wouldn't understand someone that's like a diehard Mr. Bean fan as an adult. Just seems weird to me. Seems like infant, infantilizing adulthood, you know? In, right.
2: In society. But, uh... <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what. To me, Rowan Atkinson is a poor man's Leslie Nielsen. Sure. This does feel
3: like... This feels like Naked Gun if nobody else in the story was in on the joke. Because that's, that's the whole thing about the Naked Gun movies. Like, it's a spoof, but, like... Everybody's a buffoon, really. Yes. Like George yeah. Kennedy's a buffoon. O.J. Simpson's a buffoon. Like, but Frank Drebin is always the biggest buffoon of of everybody. Yeah. But but even like the gu- the gun are, you know, their their bolt stand is sitting on one side of a box, on either side of a box, and they can't hit each other. Right. They're two <laughs> feet away from each other. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The, the, the gags are so much better.
3: Like. Yeah. This feels yeah. like a buffoon, like Frank Drebin walking through lethal weapon. Yes. Yeah. That's a good and, way to
2: put it. And in Leslie and in Naked Gun series, he always stumbles into the solution. In this, he doesn't even stumble into anything. It's mm-hmm. he he goes out of his way all the time to some complete uh, completely unnecessary scene and it's the partner who does the right thing. He doesn't even succeed in getting the villain to admit that he's wrong, essentially, like the villain does it himself. It's like one of those things where uh, it's like a SpongeBob episode where the like the bully kidnaps or like Plankton kidnaps SpongeBob and SpongeBob just annoys the shit out of Plankton. It's <laughs> like all right, this is I'm done with this. That's essentially what happens here. John Malkovich just gets so tired of Johnny English's bullshit. He's like I don't even want to do this anymore. I'm I'm giving myself up. So he just annoys the villain. Into admitting he's wrong. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I kind of
3: I kind of like the switcheroo of the of the sidekick always being yeah. the so it's kind of like Big Trouble in Little China. Mm-hmm. It's like Jack Burton in Big Trouble in Little China is is the buffoon in that movie, and it's always his sidekick that like saves the day. Basically, it's really his story. That's uh, true. I feel like they could have played that up a little bit more. It's it's, it's also like Green Hornet ish too, yeah. where. Tato. Cato is is the is Bruce Lee of, of you know of course so it's yeah. like hey, yeah, obviously he's the better one I didn't hate this movie I was just bored out of my mind yeah. um, but kid. the one thing I'll say is it made me watch the Natalie Imbruglia Torn <laughs> music video like four or five times kid. she was cute as hell and <laughs> I didn't I feel like I did not appreciate it in 1997 because I was 12 And she had short hair. And I feel like when you're 12, you don't really, you haven't really created a taste. You've known, you know you like women, but it's very generic in terms of what you like. So that's like why Pam Anderson and Jenny McCarthy were like sex symbols, like blonde hair, big boobs. That's like the minimum that you know about women is like, I don't know, but gutturally, I like big boobs. And blonde (laughs) hair seems to be the way to go. And then you mature into an ass man. That's just the cycle sure. of life, you know. I mean, like yeah. Natalie and does not fit that that role though. She's no. very and, wayfish, but she's super cute in that video though. Yeah. And and if you were if you're my age and you're in your 30s now and you haven't revisited it, go in. She's like 22 at the time. Yeah. Super cute. She's wearing like a sweatshirt. Totally down
4: for it. I was surprised to find out she was 28 in this movie. I thought she'd be like in her 30s at least. By this point, I didn't realize how young she was in, in the Torn video. The the thing I was going to say about her was, like, I can't be the only one that thinks uh, this role was first offered to Kylie Minogue, and she said no. I was trying to think why she's in this movie. I don't know what it is. She was in... That
3: soap opera in Australia, EastEnders, I believe, yeah, right? EastEnders or something like that, whatever that's called. And that's like really her only role that she's ever had. So it's like that was like 10 years before yeah. this movie ever came out. Why all of a sudden her? It's entirely. I never even thought about Kylie Minogue. I, I, I could see that. Yeah. Natalie Ambrillia so, seems like a Bond girl, though, really. Yeah. She's like sort of Australian, sort of British. Um. Yeah. I think she's from Sydney, Australia. She's from Australia. Yeah. Yeah. She yes, was like that, the, she was the highlight to me. She wasn't in yeah. enough, as far as I was. Uh,
2: exactly. Yeah, I don't and think the, there was uh, any highlights in this movie. <laughs> yeah,
3: there's no.
2: got to be a highlight. Uh, she doesn't the do John anything. Did John hair? Yeah, maybe like, John Malkovich. <laughs> <laughs> ah, no. His terrible French accent. He's so bad in this movie. He is very bad. That's what I'm saying. There's really nothing that's, good. That's, that's but there's it's... always a
3: highlight. You know, there's always a high, a, the brightest part of a picture. It's all relative, but there's the brightest part of a picture, and that's the highlight. For me, that's that was why, I, and Brulia.
4: That's why I was specific about his hair. <laughs>
2: not him <and> his hair. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'll try. Uh, well, Mr. Gibbs from Pirates of the Caribbean is in this movie. <laughs> he's okay i guess
4: i don't know the, the partners but i i agree that Natalie believe it was yeah was was the highlight she should have been in it a little bit more they should have played up the bond and bond girl-esque part of this instead of just the limited amount she was in she should have been the sidekick yeah yes yeah which explains a lot when you think i wonder which one of these writers took the lead on this of the because it's two of them right Neil Purvis They're, and Robert Wade. Yeah, they wrote Casino Royale and Quantum, right?
3: They wrote every James Bond film since World is not enough. <laughs>
4: <It's pretty laughs> they wrote while. a lot of Bond movies. <laughs> that explains a lot.
2: Man, that's
3: that's
4: a um, great
2: that's a great meal ticket right there.
4: Yep. Yeah. They've only gotten the Bond Girl right once? What? Once? In those movies from there? Wait, so who was the right one? Uh, Vesper Lynn. Vesper Lin. Lin from yeah, Eva Green? That's that's Vesper Lynn oh i was gonna say i did yeah. so wait so eva green did they write the christmas jones one or is that before them uh i think okay. that's the world Four. is not enough okay that's denise richards
2: yeah, yeah not, not great
4: <laughs> and die another day is i guess um, rosemary and allie
2: berry yeah that, that's not good either
4: and then quantum is that olga olga kuralenko yeah, and I don't even remember who's in Skyfall. Who's Skyfall's Skyfall next technically one? M.
2: I think he kills the the woman in Skyfall, oh, doesn't he? Oh no, the oh no, uh, that's that's the next one. That's um, yeah. Ah, uh, with with Christoph Waltz. Uh, uh, Spectre. 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 Yeah, he winds up killing the Bond girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this movie's better than Spectre. It's better than Quantum of Solace. I liked As Quantum a Bond movie, I liked Spectre. I thought that was pretty good. I didn't hate Spectre. Quantum yeah. of Solace is garbage. I was told I, that, so I didn't see it.
4: Yeah. Yeah, Spectre. The only thing about Spectre is they, in my opinion, when I saw that the guy that played Moriarty in the Sherlock series was in Spectre, I was hoping he would be the villain, the main villain. Oh, he's so um, good.
2: I forget his escapes me.
4: Yeah. But I was like, oh, yeah, that's a young actor. is really good as Moriarty. You know, he can be a really good villain that you can do multiple things of because Spectre supposed to be like this evil super group, essentially. But they went with what it was. Hey, yeah, no. Was it Javier Bardem or was Christoph Waltz? It was was Christoph Waltz. Waltz. Yeah. yeah. Going back to now knowing the lineage of who wrote this Johnny English, you can see that they they get enough of the spy genre right, but they miss bits and pieces and they get lucky sometimes in their writing with it. Um, oh. And this wasn't one of those times they got lucky. No Time to Die has Ana de Armas. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's going to be great. awesome. Yeah. I, I love I,
3: her. Can I honestly say, I don't remember a goddamn thing about Spectre. Uh, <laughs> i i think dave bautista is in it he is andrew scott i believe is uh, andrew moriarty. scott yeah it yeah. was also in 1917 i believe yeah. he played one of the also the quote-unquote hot priest from that show fleabag that everybody was so obsessed with mm. okay, yeah. i watched an episode He's... of with my wife and she was like eh. yeah
4: his, <laughs> his his reveal as moriarty is one of my favorite moments in watching a tv show because they build it up for so long and then just the flip of his personality in that scene is, is really, really well done. So, so are,
2: are we saying that to make Johnny English better, we just turn it into Sherlock Holmes?
4: No. What The way to make Johnny English better is to say what, do what Ant said, which is essentially make it Naked Gun, but a spy movie. Yeah. The British you know?
2: version of Naked yeah. Gun.
4: where everyone's in on the joke yeah everyone's a buffoon yeah so what like what's
2: the english term or the british term for naked gun i I guess is there a place to put
4: an extra U somewhere in there
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure how that
4: goes
2: (laughs) i don't gun gun is just gun right
4: yeah well they don't have guns there but (laughs) Oh, that's true (laughs) well just the the batons batons. (laughs) don't No, Aunt, I've been told that there's no guns in England. It's like yeah. farmland in England. <laughs> I guess it's just like something knickers. Can
2: we put knickers in there? Because that's the only English term I know. So Johnny English from 2003,
3: directed by Peter Howitz, director of Sliding Doors, Antitrust, and Laws of Attraction, among others. Written by, as we mentioned, Neil Purvis and Robert Wade, writing team behind every James Bond film since The World Is Not Enough. It stars Rowan Atkinson, Natalie Imbruglia, Ben Miller, John Malkovich, Greg Wise, Tim Piggott-Smith, Roland Davies, and Tim Barrington. Has an IMDb score of 6.2 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 33%, budget of $40 million, box office only $28 million in the U.S., but made $160 million worldwide, so it was a success.
4: Yeah. I just just thought something. I don't know. Again, I I got to remember what the world was like in 2002 or three or whenever this would have been cast. Really, but, um, really
3: obsessed with DVDs according to this movie. Everything's yeah. on DVD in this
4: movie. Yeah, but I was thinking they should have had that guy that comes in as Agent One should have been. They should have found a way to get like a Timothy Dalton or a Roger Moore to like just make a cameo for that sure. role. But again, I don't know what those guys were doing or what their relationship was. With pretty wanting sure, to be in that stuff.
3: Pretty sure Timothy
4: Dalton
2: was available.
4: Yeah. <laughs> just have a, that would have been a that would have been a cool cameo. Maybe they do it in other movies. Was there a cameo in Reborn, Dan? I again I only saw ten minutes of it, so <laughs> I think there's a cat okay. there at one point. Maybe the cat
2: uh, makes it. Timothy a... Dalton's
4: cats in Johnny English Reborn confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I th- and I think I think that was what everyone really wanted. Just the yeah there you go see yeah
2: that's that's the yeah. cat thank you and joining us is timothy dalton's cat <laughs> it's our first guest speaker that's pretty cool do you guys want to get into the plot well i was gonna say what are the chances that rowan atkinson comes after me after hearing that he'd probably bungle it i mean that's <laughs> that's his mo <laughs> right i don't know if i'd be able to to uh stand up to rowan atkinson the way i stand up to clint howard and <laughs> and others and the
3: girl from <laughs> Stalked by My Doctor, The Return.
2: <laughs> well, I think I'm probably more afraid of her than Rowan Atkinson. Because like you said, I feel like Rowan Atkinson would really just like, he would come out and like slip on a banana peel or something. Sure. And, and just knock himself out. I don't have to worry about him. <laughs> the, the other girl's from Boise, Idaho. She's tough.
3: <laughs> she's, she's got to wrestle in cattle.
2: Yeah, she's she's farm farmland tough, you know? chopping wood i think that's what they do in boise idaho i don't know i've never been
3: her triceps are huge
2: (laughs) (laughs) she tills the field is that what we're saying (laughs) quads for days
3: you guys want to go to the plot sure all right what do you got for us dan
2: all right so as i've been doing every week for the past few weeks i like to talk about our friend tia from geek vibe nation and give a shout out to her podcast the top 10 with tia it's a weekly podcast where Tia and her crew get together and they discuss top 10 lists, of top 10 actors, top 10 Marvel movies, top 10 directors, top 10 girls from Boise, Idaho. Now they have to do that. That's canon. So go visit them at GeekVibesNationGVNation.com. Give her a shout out on Twitter, TC underscore Stark. She's a good friend of the podcast. She's a good person overall. Go check her out and give her, give her your love. All right. And we're going to take a minute to listen to some messages
3: from friends of the podcast. So we will be right back with the plot of Johnny English. Hey, this is Ken m Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parley of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out ultraduroparlayhour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607podcastInfo, and ParlayPoints, our companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcasts. Hey everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A From Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance, brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks. And welcome back, and now it's time to get into the plot of Johnny English. We open on Mr. Bean attempting to sneak into what appears to be some sort of centuries old estate. we get two guard dogs that get alerted to his presence, but he luckily has two squeaky toys with him, so he's able to divert their attention and he was able to divert my dog's attention as well. <laughs> as soon as so he started squeaking it, Bailey went nuts. So you're saying he's an effective spy? Uh, at least in his dream. <laughs> so Johnny English then repels down into the estate and immediately is met by two guards, uh, dressed all in black with automatic weapons, manages to knock them out with their own guns. He then makes it into a room where he seems to find a collection of papers that he was looking for. And then the Countess turns on the light, pulls a gun on him, and tells him that he can't seduce his way out of this one, more or less. And then he does, but not until we dissolve out to realize that Johnny has been dreaming this whole time. And then
4: they linger on that joke for a little too long with the close-up of his face.
3: Close-up of his face making kissy faces. Then Bog, Johnny's assistant, wakes him up asking him for the mission documents he was supposed to have ready. Then Agent One walks in, the James Bond of this movie, I suppose.
4: Should have been a cameo. Will... Should have been a cameo,
3: yeah. Bet you there were plans for it to be a cameo, yeah. but it fell through. Johnny, in real life, is apparently some sort of middle management type of MI7. He gives Agent One his mi- mission documents, which includes the codes to the submarine hatch, which he checked himself, he assures Agent One. So Agent One heads off, and Johnny admires him all starry-eyed. And then we cut to Agent One's funeral, who died during the mission because the submarine hatch failed to open. So <laughs> officially, Johnny's first kill. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How is he not immediately fired? Uh, I don't think anybody uh, realized that that was the problem. Oh, then that's oh, just terrible. Also, Johnny's a
2: fucking liar. Yeah. <laughs> what? In He's what not terms? a good person. He's not a good person. He. No. Well, because he, he'll do anything to throw people under the bus in this
3: movie oh.
4: and,
2: he
3: and make love himself
4: love look good yep yeah
3: he oh, lies yeah. at
2: every turn he
3: put he knocks out the se- secretary and pretends it didn't happen and then mm-hmm. he knocks out the uh, head of security and then pretends that he fought off a well we'll get into all of this but yeah, <laughs> yeah. john english is not a good person
2: <laughs> uh, he, there's no way even as the last resort they should have called someone else up to be a, a special agent
4: well, no, it was like, literally, those are the only two special agents left. It doesn't matter. They should have really, called it, in the CIA. Like, right. Yeah, At we this need point, some help.
2: yeah, you, you take a loner. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got anyone? Please. You and got
3: anyone over there for us? <laughs>
2: <laughs> right, yeah, they, they just send, you know, they send a, a burnout. Like, yeah, it's yeah. better. <laughs> I mean, Jeffrey Wright helps out in
3: Casino Royale. Yeah, yeah send over Jeffrey Wright, for God's sake. <laughs> Johnny talks about how when an agent like Agent One dies, someone always rises to the occasion to take his place. Those people that he's talking about all then blow up by a bomb planted in the coffin because they are all pallbearers for Agent One. So then we cut to Pegasus, which I guess is this movie's cue. Yeah. Says that they only have one agent left. And cut to opening credits of Johnny English with music via Robbie Williams, which doesn't
2: suck actually.
4: No, it's not actually not a bad pretty main title song. Yeah. It's, it was it's, too generic for me. I thought it was just like a royalty free song. It's better. That's a good way to describe Robbie Williams' music. Now, um, <laughs> <laughs> I would say it was probably not the worst. As we're going with the Bond theme here, wouldn't be the worst Bond in this song. Era. Yeah, definitely in his era. The Madonna one was terrible. Die yeah. Another Day. Yeah. God, I don't I don't understand you guys. I really I,
3: don't. I think you should just listen or watch the movies we're mentioning. I have. They're not that bad. They're not great. You haven't seen Quantum of Solace. Well, I haven't
2: seen Quantum of Solace. Yes, yeah. I've seen the others. But have you heard "Die Another Day" the song? Die. Yeah. It's terrible. It's better than this. <laughs> we're 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 comparing levels of terribleness here. So everything's relative, man. Exactly. So yeah, "Die Another Day." is you know like level two like like tier two terrible this was level like four terrible
3: i think it's relative to, so this is a better song than i think this movie
2: deserves yes i can't i can't sit here and agree with that i'm sorry well, go fuck yourself God, it, uh... I, I forgot about it already i <laughs> this movie i don't is super forgettable
3: uh, so Johnny walks into Pegasus' office and tosses his coat at a nearby window, trying to impress the Pegasus secretary. That's the only joke that made me laugh for this whole movie, <laughs> is when he goes to do the Agent One move of throwing the 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 coat onto the coat hook and then just goes out for uh, for some reason open window. Window. It's so telegraphed, man. You can see these jokes coming a mile away. I, I didn't see that the fact that there was an open window. I could see him throwing it on her, but just why is there an open window there? That made me chuckle. That was it. <laughs> That's what made you chuckle? Yeah. An open window. <laughs> it just goes right out the window because it's so stupid. Um,
2: <laughs> Unbelievable with, <laughs> with you guys. I thought it was, I really thought it was going to be something better. Nope. That was it. Okay. I do stone face for the rest of the movie.
3: So the secretary gives him a few things to sign and a pen he mentions that the pen reminded him of a standard issue pen for MI7 which shoots out a paralyzing dart which he sets off and knocks out the secretary so then Pegasus comes in and brings him into his office to brief him on the mission uh, the event is being this uh, this is happening throughout this entire scene the secretary is being attended to by paramedics Johnny needs to attend an unveiling of the crown jewels the tower of london The event is being attended by the Queen, and this whole restoration project was sponsored by Pascal Sauvage, a prison baron and one of the richest men in the world. Johnny then arrives at the gala and talks over with the head of security and Bogue. Bog? Is that his name? Bog. Yeah. His right-hand man. Bog. B-O-U-G-H, Bog. Yeah,
4: Yeah, and and this is another moment where Johnny is not a good person, because immediately when he's put into this agent role, he's just completely shitty. To Bog. Oh, yeah. Well that's what I was time.
2: saying. He essentially it's him messing something up and Bog coming in and really just doing the job correctly. And then Johnny English kind of shitting on Bog for calling him out essentially. Like, oh did you mean to go over there, sir? Oh, I was doing a perimeter sweep. You should know better. Like, you know, yes, dude, sir. You, you suck. You're so bad. It's not even it's not even Oh, man, just none of this is funny. I don't understand it. <laughs> I don't. In real life, this guy would have been
4: fired immediately. Like I feel like Bog would have shot him in the face. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's why they went with the premise that they were the only two special agents left. But the, but one they of couldn't them couldn't possibly fire him.
2: One of them is actually competent
4: though. Yeah.
2: So, so how is that guy not the guy? <laughs> you you promoted the one. The, you promoted the guy. Who gave you the wrong numbers that got your top agent killed? How do you not promote the other guy?
3: Yeah, I feel like there should be a, a hearing regarding the, the events of that mission. And right. that would probably come out. But Wouldn't it doesn't seem like a there has been. would there be a tribunal or something? Yeah, a debriefing.
2: Yeah, or what, yeah, whatever they do over there. I don't know. They sit down <laughs> at tea time and they kind of just like... Pearl passive-aggressive insults at him. Like, oh, you really mucked that one up, Johnny. Oh, I disagree, sir. I disagree. Sir. <laughs> I, I, disagree. <laughs> I, I really wish I had looked up a, a British like slang list before we started this, uh, this episode. Because all I know is like lift and flat and the loo. That's about it. And and, and mucked up. That's And I know that from uh, like Call of Duty. <laughs> that, that's as far as I go.
3: So he then spots Natalie Brulia, so he goes over to talk to her. She introduces herself as Lorna Campbell, and she worked on the restoration of the jewels. And Pascal Sauvage then attempts to introduce himself, and Johnny mistakes him for a waiter, and then badmouths him and the French while he waits to be introduced. So Pascal then goes off and then addresses the party in order to introduce the newly restored crown jewels. As he does, we see someone in the basement cut the power. Johnny then springs into action as the lights are off. he grabs a bottle of champagne and knocks a guy out that was coming down the stairs. Lights come back on and it turns out the man was the colonel slash head of security. So Johnny <laughs> tells everyone that the assailant went into the next room and he pretends to fight them off.
4: <laughs> yeah this is this is definitely a gag that I'm assuming is is more of a British or younger kid' sense of humor oh uh, I mean this this trope's been used forever.
2: This is like a looney Tunes. Trope.
4: I did quite enjoy the attempting to make it look like he was trying to choke him with the chair uh, set up. Man,
2: I wish I could be uh, as enthused as you guys are. <laughs> I'm <do. laughs> saying we don't like
3: it and he's just like not good enough. No,
2: I, I want, want you guys to rip this apart with
3: me. <laughs> I need you to be as miserable as I was.
2: <laughs> I... I... I want to be on your level. I want to be able to talk and enjoy this with you guys. <laughs> even, if, even at your level of, I, I was bored by it. I can't even be at that level.
3: <laughs> so then he comes out and the lights come back on. So Johnny tells everyone that the salient went into the next room fight him off when we come when he comes out he says that everything is now back in order and says the crown jewels are safe and sound so he opens the security door to the crown jewels and they have been stolen surprise surprise
2: dun, dun, dun. Dun. and he gives the whole thing like oh look how beautiful they are he's not looking at him that whole gag mm-hmm. and then he turns around Whoa? where could they have gone yeah. yeah. So then, back
3: at Pegasus' office the next day, Johnny debriefs, and Pegasus asks him to describe the assailant so they could put together a computer representation of the person's likeness. Uh, I like that face that Dan is making right now. So Johnny gives a ridiculous description. He's got curly orange hair, an eye patch, banana-shaped scars on both cheeks, and the computer rendering looks like a pirate clown. The payoff
2: for this fucking joke this might have angered me the most
0: <laughs> this was,
3: yeah
2: this was a
0: long
3: <laughs>
2: this is a long
3: joke like there's like it would have been fu- funnier if it was like he makes a description and it winds up looking like ronald mcdonald or something like something like people know just not just this hideous right. looking uh, man with banana <laughs> shape you know or or like I, I, the Michelin I, I, Tire Man. You
4: know? Yeah. Or you can even point the bit where he like maybe describes Pegasus. Sure. You know, and they're like, That looks like me. Esse- John, essentially sure? he 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 made a
2: WWE create your own character. Yeah. Sure.
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and speaking of the payoff, I watching this, I'll be honest, I literally hear, heard you in my head going, Fuck you when it occurred then.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, uh. I watched, so I watched, I finished the movie last night before I went to bed. And I'll tell you, man, that's not the way to go to bed. <laughs> like, you know how they say never go to bed angry? Never go to bed watching Johnny, because that's that's not the way you're supposed to do it. You're just going to wake up miserable the next day.
3: <laughs> so Johnny and Bo then race off to the scene of the crime in the fancy aging car, the Aston Martin At the Tower of London, Johnny briefs the police officers and nearly falls into the hole where the thieves came in, not even realizing that this giant hole is there. Yeah, they basically played
4: the same gag back to back, you know, with the jewels and then this, where he's describing something and being really confident when the obvious answer is right behind him. Yeah.
3: So he sees the giant hole finally. So he sends Bog down into the hole and Bog eventually gets stuck. So Johnny goes in after him and then falls and pushes both of them through the end to the end of the tunnel. In Pitch Black, Johnny then tries to try to sing in order to get a sense of the echoes in the hole, sort of like ultra uh, sonic sort of like bats do. <laughs> of course, it doesn't work, and he walks right into a wall almost immediately, but Bog finds a ladder and they both climb up it. The ladder then leads to a grating that has them coming up right to where the guys that sold the crown jewels are. Why those guys are still in the general vicinity after several hours is beyond me. They surprise the guys, but then Johnny loses his clip and his gun, and they have a shootout. Bad guys throw a smoke grenade, and they jump into a hearse and drive away. Bog and Johnny proceed on foot until they get to their car, which is being towed. So they then proceed into a car chase using the tow truck with the and, car and still
4: trapped. This is the moment where I realized how Europe is a little different. The fact that the tow truck is made by Mercedes-Benz. <laughs> on the, you know, you see that emblem and mostly... When I've seen it over here, it's, you know, on expensive cars and stuff sure. like that. And yeah. here it's just on a city vehicle that tows cars away. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, yeah, that's right. They probably make other cars, too. Yes, they do. <laughs> and so they we have a car chase. And the car
3: chase actually doesn't suck. It's not bad. Uh, for, like, it's, it's, not, it's on James Bond level, but it's better than Johnny English deserves, I would say. <laughs>
4: yeah, there, there's a lot of moments like that. Yeah, when they do action scenes. Yeah,
3: so they're driving, they're chasing. Johnny realizes that they will never catch them in the tow truck. So he climbs into the back and into the Aston Martin. Still attached to the tow truck, Bog swings the car out. So it's dangling over traffic as they chase the hearse. Meanwhile, a woman on a motorcycle follows the hearse as well. They get to a stoplight and Bog drops Johnny and the Aston onto someone's trailer accidentally. And then Johnny actually does a pretty sweet reverse to get off of it. Uh, is, is better than you would think that he would be capable of doing. And then Johnny follows what he thinks is the hearse to a cemetery and interrupts a funeral. He thinks it's all ruse to bury the crown jewels in the grave and then they'd come back for them in a couple of weeks. He does everything from accusing the widow of being a phony to dancing on the casket until he realizes that the hearse driver is a different person. So he realizes that he followed the wrong hearse. Zabag so comes up and says that Johnny is an escaped lunatic and he needs to bring him back to the asylum. And then we get a scene. We cut to, in the least obvious twist ever, John Malkovich winds up being the villain as he is the one that yeah. stole the ground jewels.
4: Yeah, he didn't look like a villain at all. <laughs> and it was it was also John Malkovich.
2: <laughs> it, it's It's essentially... <laughs> It's essentially an episode of uh Law & Order,
4: yeah. where the, the
2: guest, the special guest, is always the villain.
4: Yeah. So, yeah, and,
2: yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and
4: it's very much like when Sean Bean shows up in something. <laughs> right. You're like, there's a 95% chance that character's going to die. <laughs> right.
3: <laughs> well, they didn't do, which I was surprised, that Natalie Umbrulia wasn't in on it.
4: Yeah. That's true. I'll, I'll give or, you that we or, or the competent
2: agent Yeah. sidekick. Well, I thought it was either going to be the love interest or the actual MI7. The I Pegasus thought one of them. Sure. Yeah, I thought Pegasus might be behind it for some reason. But yeah, yeah, you know, this well, movie's not good enough for that shit. Right?
4: Yeah, they didn't. They didn't do a double double twist. They yeah. didn't do a. Uh, was that a Raven? Well, that's
2: essentially it- every Mission Impossible movie, right? True. Where yeah. where uh, w- w- they're MI6? No, what are they? They're. Uh, I, f- I forget exactly what uh, Ethan Hunt's. Yeah, I don't remember. But it, it, they're always the ones that betray Ethan Hunt mm-hmm. in every single movie. I think ever <laughs> since Mission Impossible one, it's always been the government's betrayed you, and he still works for the government. So I figured, yeah, maybe they'll do something along those lines. Johnny English will be like they—they they got rid of all of the competent agents because they knew, oh, you know, we have Johnny English. He's—he's he's a moron. But then it just bites him in the ass.
3: Yep. They pull that stunt in Get Smart too, Dwayne. Yes. Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne the Rock Johnson was the uh, the double agent.
2: Okay. Yeah, I do remember. Yeah, that's. I wanted to point that out because Mark had pointed out at the beginning that what the uh Natalie Imbruglia mm-hmm. should have been the the sidekick, and I was like, all right, well that sounds like Anne Hathaway to Steve Carell's character in Get Smart.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, that was actually in the TV show as well, right?
2: Yeah. Agent 99. Yeah. yeah, I guess Get Smart
3: is a better version of this movie, which although I completely forgot that Get Smart exists in terms of that <laughs> Steve Carell movie.
2: Yeah, and that's not a very good movie either. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah the, these are essentially... That, that TV plays. show is so much better. Wow. Oh, yeah. Inspector Gadget, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: The thing here, I, I was the whole time, like I said, expecting to have a monologue from the partner being like the second in command to Pasquale. Like going, every day I have to watch you be a buffoon, you know, sort of one of those speeches. When I've been overlooked, I was waiting for that speech to occur um, at some point. But I guess they went a little more straight with it. Just one villain and
3: all I got that. two other movies, though, so it could happen. Yep. So, uh, yeah, it's John Malkovich. He has plans to try and usurp the throne and become King of England. Sauvage is a distant relative to the Queen of England, we should mention. And his goons say that in order for that to happen, he needs the Archbishop of Canterbury to do that. Uh, at the moment, we, they are capturing the Archduke of Canterbury's likeness to use as a mold for a mask. And then Sauvage also has English Johnny English's house and just to keep tabs on him. So MI7 gets the identities of the two thieves and that they are in the employ of Sauvage. Pegasus rejects the idea that Sauvage is involved and forbids English from considering him a suspect, and English is not allowed to be within 100 feet feet of Sauvage at the event. So immediately, English starts giving Bog tasks and equipment to, to secure because he plans to break into Sauvage's headquarters. As they're planning this in the parking garage... One of Savage's men pops up from under one of the cars and starts shooting at them. They exchange fire, and then English's gun malfunctions, and the guy escapes onto a different level. So Bog and English try to track him down, with the guy escaping at every turn. English then sees a pair of legs on a higher level than him, so he grabs them and pulls them down, but it winds up being Bog. (laughs) On the car ride home, English tells Bog that it must have been another goon that that pulled him down. And, and knocked him out because there must have been multiple ones of them
4: yeah, and then Bob, and then Bob goes then where were you
3: yeah, just, and just, just, leave, it. It.
4: And just right. leave it yeah yeah I, that's what that's when that was the main point when i started thinking about that that twist with that it's like him starting to not be as you know accepting of johnny english's answers
3: yeah him realizing that he's an yeah. idiot
4: yeah
2: never it never comes to fruition though
3: no, you'd think. He then sees the motorcycle parked outside a sushi restaurant, so he goes inside and finds Miss Campbell. He tries to get info from her, but she's not giving anything. He then tries to pass himself off as a sushi a sushi expert and sees sea urchin, which apparently is pretty gross. He then gets his tie stuck in the conveyor belt, and she
2: leaves. Again, yeah, it's again, man, awful. Just it it doesn't land at all, right? Yeah. I, I don't know what I don't know what the point of that was. I don't we'll either. Still
4: allow her to get away. But why not
2: why not go with like the poison suit the poison uh, urchin gag right English doesn't know that uh, um was it puffer fish or does it what does he have sea urchin he has sea urchin sea urchin that's poisonous right I think you're thinking of blowfish blowfish oh okay that's yeah. why you don't go with that gag then <laughs> yeah she I mentions she could...
4: the reason why sea urchin is gross yeah
2: oh yeah. All right because they what do they pee out of their uh...
4: yeah they eat they eat and you know, do their business out of the same hole.
3: Right. Take a shit out of their legs okay. or something. There you go. Gotcha. Um,
4: family show. <laughs> it's a
2: family show.
4: <laughs> it's it's <a> when? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm used to being on the Game Ball Pod. No. <laughs> and even then, it's borderline. Uh,
3: so then he he gets His tie stuck in the variable, and she leaves. Bog and English are then seen on a government plane go over a plan to infiltrate Savage's tower which is apparently directly next to a hospital that has identicals to Savage's building. Bog jumps out of the plane first. He's supposed to turn off the alarm system to allow English to enter. Then English goes and lands quite impressively on the roof. He rappels down and infiltrates, but to the viewer, it's obvious that he has landed on the hospital. He thinks Savage has a lab that he's doing experiments <laughs> on people then tries to help a free and old man that is there for tests and starts accumulating doctors as hostages. He then demands to know where Savage's office is, and all the nurses and doctors just look across the w- out the window across the street. And then he turns and looks, and he sees Bog through the window, standing in Savage's tower.
4: Yeah, and the uh, building, we should mention, has Savage written on the side of it.
3: Yep. He then tells the hospital staff that he's taken prisoner, that it's all been a test and that they passed. So then he leaves and he goes next door and Bog lets him in on the other side and make their way up when they are stopped by a guard. English hits the guy with a ring that pierces the guard uh, with muscle relaxer and Bog knocks him out physically. They then snoop around and see a lab where they are testing a mask they made of the Archbishop on a stand-in and notices a weird back tattoo on the stand-in. They then sneak into Savage's office and accidentally uncover Savage's plan via a DVD and he wants the power that the Queen has. So then another guard shows up and English demands he tell him the plan so English hits him with a truth serum needle ring. Instead, he has switched the rings and he hits him with a knockout ring and accidentally himself with it too.
2: Real Real quick. Yeah uh john malkovich says that the queen has the most power out of any standing uh like authority mm-hmm. is that true i thought she 100% was really just... not true yeah but what the <laughs> fuck what is going on here Right, she's basically just a figurehead.
3: Yeah, she doesn't really have much power. I think that's actually a question on uh, on IMDb. Like, does the Queen really have as much power as they say in this? Like, no,
2: she's basically nothing. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just really tradition that she's there.
4: Yeah, there was a whole document written in the 1500s that sort of took the power away from her. Yeah, oh, that's true.
3: Does the British monarch really have all the powers mentioned in the film? No, in practice, the Queen has no power, acting merely as a ceremonial head of state with most of his or her powers exercised by the government. In theory, she has certain powers to refuse to dissolve Parliament, to appoint anyone she likes as a Prime Minister, dismiss a Prime Minister and his or her government, to refuse to give the royal assent to a bill and to refuse the Queen's consent where direct monarchical, monarchical assent is required for a bill affecting the prerogative hereditary revenues. But the idea that the monarch can arbitrarily seize land from its owner is fictional.
4: There Good to go. know. So, and, and also, I'm assuming that spies don't go around and telling civilians that they are spies working for the spy company.
2: Probably not. <laughs> yeah, that that's got to be a big no-no.
4: don't worry guys i'm part of mi7 the secret spy network that you (laughs) shouldn't know about
2: right that would be like if you know uh someone from shield just walked around like yeah i'm with shield this was just a test
3: (laughs) or if you talk about fight club
2: oh that's even worse that's true
3: (laughs) so some more guards show up and catch english and the other guard rolling around on the ground until miss campbell shows up and hits them with a fire extinguisher Ms. Campbell identifies herself as Interpol and says they've been tracking Sauvage for months uh, because Sauvage has been employing criminals that have been released from his own prisons. They have a run-in with the guard that he thought that he knocked out with the muscle relaxer, but he actually gave him the truth serum. So they ask him how to get to the party and then knock him out again. They go down to the party as English is still under the muscle relaxant. So he makes a fool of himself until Campbell takes him to the dance floor and dances with him till, in an effort to look less conspicuous. Savage sees him because he knows who Johnny English is because he's seen his face, so not very conspicuous at all. Savage then talks to Pegasus and tells him that English and Bog have broken into his office and have assaulted his staff. Pegasus orders Bog to go home and take English off the case. Savage then makes a call to his staff changing the plan. He stops the phony archbishop plan and orders his men to pay a visit to the queen. At the palace, armed guards just walk right into the queen's office, pointing a gun at her and her dog until she signs an abdication letter. This is all very
4: anticlimactic. <laughs> right,
2: yeah, she's just like, okay.
3: Here's a, ve- here's a very complicated plan that I've had to try and get the throne, but, oh, there's a secret agent is too close, so I'm just gonna force my way into her quarters and just demand that she signs this.
2: That's Not the problem the with this movie, right? It, they they build up this whole big plan from John Malkovich, and he just goes to plan B, like it's nothing, like, oh, you know, like, why don't I just take this by force? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, shit, you're right. Yeah, it, It's so anticlimactic. It's such a bad twist.
3: So then the next morning the Prime Minister informs Sauvage that he's now the rightful heir to the throne. Again, super anticlimactic. One of the ger- the goons drops off the crown jewels to the police and Sauvage arranges for his immediate coronation.
2: In the middle of London. Yep. He's carrying the fucking crown jewels.
3: Yep. And it's like an open bag too. Yeah. So we see so we see that the
2: crown is in there. He literally drops it off in front of a precinct. Yep. You don't think someone, it's all of a sudden London turned into fucking 24 hours later, or 24 days later or whatever. It's, this is ridiculous.
3: Campbell shows up at English's flat and tells him the case was reassigned to her and she wants his help. She tells him that Savage is meeting at his French Chateau with 13 of the biggest criminal masterminds in the world. He refuses, but she shows him that he still has some fight left in him by... Trying to attack him, and he block blocking all her uh, blows, and they take
2: the Aston Martin to France. It's the first time we see that, by the way, that he actually knows how to fight.
3: Yeah. He has, like, brief glimpses of, like, oh, yeah, I'm a secret agent. Like, the whole Aston Martin off the back of the, the truck thing, that's cool. And then him landing perfectly, after, besides the fact that it was a hospital, he landed perfectly uh, on the
2: hospital, <laughs> on the roof. Like, he landed on, like, the ledge. And then it- this... It it wouldn't have made more sense that when they first met, she goes after him, and he's like, obviously he's so inept that she just lands blow after blow on him. Right, that that would make more more sense, no? To this scene. For for this movie, yes, it it
3: feels like they're trying to do something here where it's like, oh, like Johnny's not as helpless as he seems, Mm -hmm. but he's completely helpless except for these three moments. Right.
2: It's it like
3: makes he, no sense. Like he solves he saves the day by being a buffoon. Yeah. Like if the third act is him like realizing his skills as a secret agent in order to save the day, that would be different. Like mm-hmm. you see these glimpses of like look, he could drive he could drive an Aston Martin really well. Right. can when he needs to, he could defend himself in a fight and you know, he can yeah. He could fly, he could parachute perfectly onto a a high rise. Those are three things he does really well in this movie, but it doesn't pay off that he can do them well.
4: Yeah. Oh, you're talking about when he has his uh, Jason Bourne moment in the apartment where he goes to punch him. Yeah, he's blocking the blows. Yeah.
2: It it, it should have been, I don't know if you you gentlemen have ever seen Beverly Hills Ninja, but that's what Uh, you just described. When I was a kid, yeah. Yeah, where Chris Farley is just so terrible at being a ninja, but in the third act, his, his brother is you know he's in danger so all of a sudden it like kicks in his ninja his ninja fighting style and he starts kicking ass that's what it should have been where you yeah. know he's backed into a corner and he just instinctually whips out the the spy uh, skills
3: yeah it should be like he's so he's a buffoon because he just is trying too hard really he's trying yeah. to put on these airs he's trying to You've seen all the James Bond movies, so he's trying to pretend to be what he isn't. Mm-hmm. You know yes. that should that should be the reveal. It was like you know, Johnny, you're you just gotta be yourself and everything. Yeah, don't else overthink will come. it. Yeah, yeah, that's what it should be the reveal. But he just kind of he fucks it up anyway at the end.
2: But he winds up saving the day. The, the ending <laughs> is terrible. Yeah. It's so bad.
3: It's grating.
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, it's it's really like why I don't know what they were thinking with that. Uh, that turn because in this scene we find out like pretty much john malkovich's character lays out his evil plan and he has hard hard copy of it physical evidence and it, it never comes into play again
3: yeah well, he well he doesn't have hard evidence he takes the yeah. wrong
2: hard evidence Well, I'm yeah, saying, it's, it, that's the bit johnny english takes the wrong evidence but the evidence yeah. is there he sure. just fucks it up
3: yeah so, they, she finally convinces him, and they take the Aston Martin to France, and then there's a scene that is supposed to mock those sexual tension scenes in Bond movies between Campbell and English, and they're off to infiltrate Sauvage's chateau. English then says that he's done a thorough search, and the only way is through the sewer pipes. So he goes there and comes out a toilet covered head to toe in shit. Campbell immediately finds another way in via a ladder, which... I had to play this back twice and this was just a, a very small thing. It doesn't really make the movie worse or better, but it's so obvious that it's like a stunt person in a wig while she's climbing up the ladder. Cause yeah. the, <laughs> cause the wig is not pulling off what we think like Natalie and Burleigh's hair looks at it. It looks a little more like puffed out and she's got a little more junk in the trunk. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's what gave it away. Yeah. I was like, oh, that,
3: that doesn't look like her from what we've seen.
2: <laughs> i didn't notice to be honest
3: like i had paw- like i paused it so i could catch up on my notes and i'm like oh well that's weird that doesn't look like her <laughs> we've been duped uh, yeah so uh after camel uh so camel meeting finds another way in she then catches up with johnny who stinks like shit so she throws him in a sh- into a shower to wash the stink off they both eavesdrop onto sauvage's dinner with the evil masterminds and he lays out his plan it turns out that his plan is to turn england into a giant prison which i guess then he's just going to make money off of because he is a prison baron and then they hear that so camel and english try to create a plan to stop sauvage but english accidentally turns on a mic and broadcasts his plan into the dining room so everyone hears so english puts his plan into action And is immediately foiled by some guards. Though the guards still allow English to get a shot off, but his gun was full of literal shit and it doesn't fire. That was weird, right? (laughs) So yeah, he could have just—he could have
2: killed Sauvage right there. Yeah, if I'm Sauvage I'm like, "What? You—you guys are all fired. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are—or killed. I'm killing you now." Yeah, it's like I'm lucky that he's an idiot. Right. Because you guys didn't job. How long are you gonna let him point the gun at me, there, fellas? (laughs)
3: How many shots are you gonna try? Let him try. Right. <laughs> yeah. We,
2: like you, you. How lucky could you be, really? <laughs> I, I I thought that to myself. I was like, you know, he's still holding the gun there, and he's talking about ending him. Yeah. Like I'm not. I will never allow you to take England. And pulls the trigger. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting choice. Maybe one of them wanted to just like let's see how this plays out. <laughs> I'm interested on, right now. Right. Yeah. I'm intrigued. (laughs) Uh, So Savage then
3: goes to get coronated, leaving English and Campbell tied up in his chateau. As they try to escape, Bog comes in through the sewer like English and helps them escape. Uh, So they drive back to England to stop the coronation while Bog smells like shit. At the coronation, English knocks out one of the bishops and stands in front of them. Hold on a second. This cat's going to start making some noise. He knows. Ted, are you settled? Uh, at the coronation, English knocks out one of the bishops and stands in for them. So the archbishop asks the three bishops if they approve the coronation. English jumps up and objects, and they then accost the archbishop, trying to remove what he still thinks is a mask. Campbell, meanwhile, is having a fight with one of Savage's goons, who has a sniper rifle. English then pulls down the archbishop's pants to try and show the tattoo that he had seen. Something about Jesus is coming
2: yeah uh, what is it it's uh are you prepared for jesus or something like that this
3: is coming are you prepared or more or less it's some joke sort of but i don't remember what it is exactly and obviously as we know the it's the real archbishop this time not the original plan so he doesn't have that to it too so savage then orders the guards to take english away and as you're being let out he tells bog to play the dvd that they took from savage's that details his plan. But it winds up being a DVD of the surveillance of Sauvage has planted in English's bathroom, and it's of him dancing to ABBA. And during the distraction, English runs off. So then Sauvage orders them to continue the ceremony, and then English swings in on a rope and steals the crown. Sauvage then then shoots at English, knocking the crown out of his hand, and demands to be crowned. Before Sauvage's crown, English drops on him and gets crowned instead. He then orders the guards to take Sauvage away. And that's the the climax of
2: the movie. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Savage basically says, I'm evil, and blows the whole plan because he's just annoyed. He had enough of Johnny English's uh, buffoonery. Yep, as did we all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, about an hour ago.
3: (laughs) Eventually, English returns the crown to Queen Elizabeth II and asks to be knighted. English then takes Campbell to a romantic getaway to the south of France. And as they're about to kiss, he accidentally pushes the eject button on the Aston Martin and she go- f- goes flying out out of the sunroof.
2: It would have been and, great if she just like broke her neck on on landing. Don't you speak ill of a Natalie Imbruvio. <laughs> <laughs> it then we would get have been a, better.
3: Then we get a mid-credit scene of her landing in a pool at a resort that Bog is at along with the weird-looking man that English described in the beginning. And that's the end of Johnny English, Dan's favorite movie we've ever done.
2: God damn it, that... That ending, that's that's the anti Marvel end credit scene. Like where every, everyone's waiting and you know like oh well, who are they gonna introduce? What are they gonna do? If if Marvel had did that, done something like that, it would have ended Marvel. That would have been <laughs> there would be no MCU. We would have never have gotten Endgame. And yeah, it, everyone would have just been it would have been 2020 before 2020. <laughs> that's what that ending is that's the 2020 ending of movies sure
3: yeah i mean like it's it's not great i i was bored but i think in the script i think script wise i think like i said i think there are worse bond movies that these two guys have written i think it it's not funny but as a bond script it's not terrible
2: I agree. I yeah, I'm being very harsh on it. it. At the at the worst, it was super boring. Yeah. Um. The the, the jokes I, just didn't land for me.
4: I I was not getting that vibe at all, Dan. From you. <laughs> yeah, you didn't I like know. this movie. Well, <laughs> I, I think
2: I went a little overboard with my hatred of it. Um. It. I think the like I said, the biggest the biggest problem it introduced us was just just it's repetitive and boring. Uh, the jokes are too close together. They don't get a chance to really breathe and be their own joke. Like, it's like, how many how many uh, weird situations can we put Mr. Bean in? Because, like we said, he's known for being slapstick. Like, how, how many jokes can we fit into a scene? Yeah.
4: That, that's essentially why I think we agreed early on that the only way to make this movie better, maybe they do it with the other two. We're probably not going to find out, unlike Stalked by My Doctor. Um, is that uh, maybe they make it more naked gun, you know, as they as they go on, you know, like figure out. But I I don't think it works as well as they thought dropping the buffoon character into the straight action movie um, because I, I, it gets it gets the reactions like Dan has. Sure. You know, but I and I, yeah, and I guess
3: Liz, Leslie Nielsen has, has
2: made this movie. It's called Spy Hard. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I totally forgot that movie existed. Yeah. Never saw it though. Can't oh, imagine it being very same. good.
3: Oh, I, you know, I haven't seen it since I was a kid, same. and I, I loved every Leslie Nielsen movie I ever saw. Dracula's Dead and loving it. Loved
2: oh, it. I love that that movie gets a bad rap. I yeah. love that movie. Yeah. But <laughs> that yeah. that was one of the uh, the last
3: Mel Brooks movies, right?
2: Yeah. I don't
3: remember the last movie. I guess he the, the producers
2: was. Yeah. 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 Maybe he did something with that. Huh. I don't know if he made it, but. Yeah, I think to make this movie better, I, I like the idea that Mark had where Natalie Bruglia is the the partner who's just constantly bailing him out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he shows signs of being a competent uh, agent, and then just overthinking things. And then maybe he finds his zen towards the end, and he's able to stop John Malkovich. Yeah. And you, you got to do something with that ending. I mean, you And literally anything, just like, even if you trick him into showing the DVD of his master plan, Mm -hmm. not just having John Malkovich have a mental breakdown and discuss how he's bad. You can't do that. That's that's kind of insulting.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, I, I agree. I think we've kind of laid out how we would make this movie better.
2: Like I said, it was boring and the ending isn't very fulfilling. So, yeah. Plug your shit. Sure. Uh, at the Aquino 122 personal Twitter uh, at Stranger Damies on Twitter and Instagram. We for the fourth month in a row, this podcast they call this a movie and Stranger Damies has been featured on the top fifty podcasts of the month. So yeah, four in a row. We're uh, we're still going strong. Thank you for those who voted for us. Thank you for you know listening. We truly appreciate it. And uh, thank you to uh, our good friend Jake for picking this awful, boring movie. <laughs> We're going to have to have a talk, Jake. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for that. If you, want to, if you want to recommend a movie, please message us. We would be more than happy to tear apart the movie you want us to watch.
4: We have our uh, other two podcasts. Uh, Stranger Damies airs every Wednesday. That's our D&D podcast. You can find that everywhere at Stranger Damies, on Twitter and Instagram as well, at Stranger Damies. Um, And then we have our video game podcast, Game Vault Pod, and that airs every other Monday, so be sure to check that out. We also stream on twitch.tv slash Game Vault Pod every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday or Saturday, and Sunday, and every other Monday. The easiest way to keep track of the schedule is just to follow us on Twitter. You know, it'll either be a pinned tweet or we will tweet out a few hours beforehand when we're going live. We have set shows like Wednesday, Thursday and Sunday tend to be solid those days. And then the the Dead by Daylight stream floats between Friday and Saturday. So just keep a lookout. That's the best way. Be sure to just uh, reach out with any questions, recommendations for games or topics Um, on Game Ball Pod. And I'm always looking for fan art for the D&D side. So feel free to send that stuff along.
3: Okay, and where they call this a movie? You can find us at theycallthisamovie.podbean.com and on all podcast streaming apps. Just searching they call this a movie. We're also on all social media by searching the maindaming and the maindaming.com is our main website. You go on there, the find all our articles, podcasts, everything there we put. There. We are also a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find them at gvnation.com and on all podcasts and social at Geek Vibes Nation. So just search for Geek Vibes Nation. We'll pop right on up. We'll our shows there. A bunch of other great shows that I am not going to try and name tonight. And yeah, just check them out. Give them a follow. That'd be great. Give us a follow. Again, the main namey is on all social media there uh, so that's twitter facebook instagram at the main naming. we are fast approaching episode 100 next episode you hear will be episode 100 for this podcast so we're very excited about that we got a special movie lined up for it and then we're probably gonna have a special episode soon after that so be on the lookout for that if you have any questions or comments you want to suggest a movie to us check out the main enemy at gmail.com you can hit us up there or hit us up on Twitter. Uh, it's probably the best place to get a hold of us. And and that's it. We got we got October coming up, so we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be doing some horror movies shortly. Uh, we're very excited about the next few weeks coming up. So don't forget if you if you got the time, you got the if you like us, go on to iTunes, give us a five star rating and a review. That would help us out a great deal. So that's gonna wrap it up this week. Uh, I'm Ant. Anthony Delvecchio, you can find me at on Twitter at Ant Delvec. And the director of Johnny English is Peter Howitt. So for Dan Aquino and Mark Myers, this is Anthony Delvecchio telling Peter Howitt, well you certainly made a movie, didn't you?